does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, let's get going here on this Monday. I know the weather stinks. I was trying to think about that this time last week, or actually a couple hours prior to this time last week. I was out at IMS. We were taping a promo with Speedway President Doug Bowles regarding Carb Day, and it was just gorgeous, as it was for the better part of the week, certainly leading all the way up until the end of Saturday. And then had it's kind of like what I talk about between Gus Macker and the little 500 in every April. April, I should say, in the 1990s, either one weekend is spectacular and the other weekend is awful and you flip it over. It's like that every single year. April, everybody, but I guess the plans are the weather is going to get much better later on in the week, but we have a lot for you, not only today, but this week. I'll dive into that a little bit later on. I love the sports weekend. I try to convey to you my interest in it, even though a lot of you, because there's not a great deal that isn't non-NFL draft Colts related that is going on here because the Pacers aren't involved and, you know, obviously... It really stinks because there's no postseason without the, I should say there is a postseason without the Pacers. This time of year normally is uh, incredibly enjoyable. But this sports week was still pretty good. The postseason, awesome. Was it not so far? First two days of that. First two days of the NBA playoffs going into day number three. Get to a lot of that coming up a little bit later on. Yes, you're right. It was a matter of time before Jim Mercer did send a tweet, <laughs> which I asked, I asked Mike Chappell a question last week, and I said, do you think that they are telling Jim everything? And he kind of knocked it around for a minute. And, you know, obviously you say he's, he's in the know, let's say. But are they, are they telling him everything kind of every step of the way? Because they have kept this thing locked up tight. They have. And really, if you're Jim Irsay, and almost 24 hours ago, so yesterday you send this out and here's how it went. For the 23 draft, we have many options with the number four pick. We could stay put and take a quarterback or trade up 
and take a quarterback or trade down and maybe take a quarterback or not. Now, obviously, that's just having fun. But a lot of people would take that as, all right, so which of the quarterbacks are you now going to take? There are pictures that coincide. What do they call it? A collage? I was not any good in art class at doing collages. My collage looked like garbage. But there is a photo collage, including, not necessarily in this order, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis. All options on the table, but we like our position, and we are very excited. Fire up. So clearly he's trying to get you fired up as we lean into the final week before next week in the NFL draft. But what's funny about it, then you get the news today, and you can, and again, these are not pieces of the puzzle that we haven't already been trying to put together, right? But now you can start putting together this piece of the puzzle a little bit. So Bryce Young today has reportedly, according to the NFL Network, decided to cancel the rest of his visits. And then everybody in the NFL suggests that is because for Bryce Young, he knows where he is going. Now, you could also say, well, wait a minute, how do they know? It's also interesting that you take the first two, Carolina and the Texans, they both have visited already with Bryce Young, so it doesn't make a difference. And again, this is all stuff that is just kind of common knowledge. This is not any inside information given or any... Any mistake, for example, of inside information given, we've all talked about this, and in fact, everybody has talked about this a thousand times, if not more, in the past month plus. So that's where we are. So you consider Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, and then most folks out there aren't the biggest of fans of Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. It's number four. This is number four is going to be outstanding. Somebody was asking me a little bit earlier, and I just put it this way. I have thought this all along. You know that. I have thought all along that they know what they want is going to be there at four. So they're just kind of sitting and waiting for that to fall in their lap. Just right there in their lap. But it does make you laugh. Yeah, everybody yesterday is going, okay, so what does this mean? You really start reading into it. I think it means they're still going to draft a quarterback. They're not going to trade down. And I think it means what we've talked about, again, for the better part of 30-plus days, it's, it's going to come down to one or the other. Whomever Chris Ballard and company like right now. You know, I've told you this. I'm not going back. That it was Levis. Now, maybe things have changed. Maybe it's Anthony Richardson. Although people will tell you that Anthony Richardson, I think this is on, and I got to give Greg credit. I did not hear it directly, but I don't think it was McShay, but it was somebody else talking about Anthony Richardson in terms of his accuracy not being something that is fixable. Now we'll see. But I'm going to stick. Where I am, and the problem with me not changing is, you know, rarely do I, and sometimes that leads me down a path that I probably should have changed and gone down a different one. 
But there just hasn't been anything out there that would lead me to believe than anything that I had previously thought in the the past months. We've been talking about this well, well back into the season because the season was so ridiculous and so laughable on so many levels that this is where it led. You just kind of knew they were going to be right here. And you start really picking that apart, though. Some people are suggesting you wait or draft somebody else, wait until next year. I don't know how in the world you believe that you're going to get in a good spot next year. I should say how bad you're going to play to get into a good spot next year. They're bad, and they were a four-win team that was an absolute mess. Might they be a little bit better than that this year, though? Improve on that? They're going to be that bad back-to-back? They're that bad back-to-back. You guys aren't going to hang around long enough to care. And speaking of that, care, that is something else that's not lost on me. A lot of you right now, it is such a believe-it-when-I-see-it group. Obviously, you have because we all do this. You have your thoughts. You have your opinions on where they need to go, where you think they need to go. But in terms of believability, and believability equates to excitement. I don't know what it's like in Carolina. In fact, I don't care. I don't know what it's like in Charlotte, but they're probably really excited. I mean, Charlotte in Charlotte, Carolina went out and did a variety of things to try to get to this point. I mean, hell, Houston's just been sitting there for a while. And then Arizona remains to be... That wild card, I can't imagine Arizona's going to stay there at all at number three. So if you trade up to number three, what are you going to trade up to get? If you're Arizona, if you're going to draft a three, you draft Will Anderson, right? If you're somebody else, would you not want to trade up to get Will Anderson? And why, if Arizona wanted Will Anderson, would they trade out of that spot to go someplace else? And there are the Colts just kind of sitting there with their arms crossed, like Chris Ballard with an interview with me at the Combine, just waiting. Sitting there waiting. It is funny. But back to the fan base for a moment. You're just waiting. You're waiting on a reason. Waiting on a reason to get excited. I was talking to a friend a little bit earlier, too, as I was prepping for the show. And he told me, there's just not a lot to get excited about right now. So this draft is weird. Now, you think about the Colts in this position in the past, and granted, we are talking about the team that traded back to draft Quentin Nelson, as we all know, but you're thinking about a team in the past that's done that, but a team in the past waiting on its quarterback. I mean, you knew what you were going to get, and and really, that was the whole reason that season went before Luck was drafted, the whole suck-for-luck mantra. You know, waiting on that, you were just waiting for what you felt the fun when it was going to start, not if. Now, granted, we all know how it ended, but at that time, you were just waiting for it, the fun to start. And here, it's just kind of like, all right, tell me who they draft, and we'll talk about that, and then we'll see if they can play or not. I said this last week, and it is strange. But as I was talking to Gardner Minshew 
it seems like that a lot of you get more excitement out of that than you do about anything else. We haven't seen that level of apathy around here in a long damn time. Because when you think about it, the suck for luck year, that got you fired up. I mean, you knew that some decisions, some big game-changing forever decisions were going to be made. But most of you clearly were on board with that. I mean, really to try to track down where they are now and compare it to something, you'd have to go back to the 90s. Go back to the 90s when you just kind of expected this. There is so much proving to get done. It's one of those odd years where there's just not anything that, and I've said this all along, you can poke holes in any of these names and any of these players right now, uh, specifically the quarterbacks. I mean, we sit around here talking about that, and they still have a myriad of issues they need to deal with in other positions. There is a rest of the draft, by the way. They're just not going to draft a week from Thursday night at number four overall and then say, all right, we're done. Got to find a right guard somewhere, I would guess. I mean, that is my guess. Certainly a cornerback somewhere. Uh, Since Chris Ballard does not draft a wide receiver with every draft selection like I would, if I were the general manager, you'd probably be looking at that as well. And this is a team that's got some older, accomplished, some veterans there that probably aren't so willing to wait. As long as some of you may be sitting there right now that have been fully talked into this. Guys like DeForest Buckner. We'll see about Shaquille Leonard upon his return. Oh, even guys like Jonathan Taylor. How long are you willing or are you going to want to wait on this? How long of a wait is there? I guess what is the quickest decision to make at number four? that at least gets you going down the path. That gets you even past Gardner Menchu starting. It's that quickest pick. I guess I was thinking about this too the other day. It also seems logical that many of you, just for the sake of drafting a quarterback, you just say, just do it, whatever. It's like at the end of the price is right. Well, you got somebody that's bidding on, you know, you got this you know, huge showcase, like you get this one little bitty showcase, somebody, you know, is going to get a toilet <laughs> and a garden hose and something else. And then the other showcase is going to be a boat and a car and you're just sitting there, wait, 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 wait. That's kind of what you're doing, right? You're just sitting there waiting and you just go, oh, whatever. Just, you just say it. $25,000. $18,000. So you've waited so long, you're just going to blurt it out. Yay, Anthony Richardson, whatever. Will Levis. Trade down. The Hendon Hooker thing is different to me. Hendon Hooker, while had a fantastic season, and I'm sure is a really nice prospect. 
He does come in at, what, 24 years of age? And it's going to take him a bit to get back? If you are considering a weight, would you rather go with somebody that's, what, four years younger? And Richardson, if you're going to wait, would you do it that way? And you're not waiting for somebody to come back from injury? I wonder how often general managers, team executives fall, I want to say in love, that's so lame. I apologize for that description. How often do these executives, when you go into the offseason, you know, outside of, of actually what took place, I feel good about myself because my, my call of C.J. Stroud is, is at least on the field. I mean, there's a basis to look at. It may be a thumbnail sketch. It's quick, but at least it's on the field. How often does a team exit a football season and then you get impressed by a combine? You get impressed by a pro day. You get impressed by, you know, one-on-one. That's where to be interesting regarding Anthony Richardson because Richardson, more so than anything else, would have to prove himself not based upon his body of work in games against actual defenses, actual players. Now, these other guys, and Levis in particular, even if he didn't like the way that he played this past year, at least you can base your opinion on that. How dangerous can it be if you fall in love with a player after the season? I'd love to know how often that happens. Maybe it happens a hell of a lot more often than I'm considering right now. But can you value that? And especially in talking to Chris Ballard when he mentions every single time, you know, this is a necessary evil of going to the combine and watching this or going to a pro day and watching that, but we like to base our opinion on what happens in games, game film, game tape. That's tough right there. That's tough if all of a sudden now you're a major fan of Richardson, I guess, because that would show you that what he has accomplished in a pro day, in the combine, in a one-on-one has more set the pace than what he accomplished during the season. I'm not suggesting that's never happened. But it does seem like that can be a little bit dangerous. Uh, we can hit that up if you like at 239-1070. In fact, I would love to fresh off a flight. I think he got back this morning. Long Beach looks like a pretty cool place to be. Southern California just looks really cool in general. I don't know. If, like, I'd probably struggle. If I couldn't go out and take a whiz outside, I'd say, hey, you know what? I can't do it here. And I know there are places you can. I could go to the uh, Sierra Nevadas. I could go down in Death Valley. I could go out in the desert, whatever, and just do it as long as I want. I could run into the surf and do it there. But still, I like to have a wide berth around me. So that would be problematic. The other thing that I hate, we complain about traffic around here. Oh, my God. Have you been around 465? I had to sit there for seven minutes. 
Like, I look up at those signs sometimes. And by the way, coming up 69, they have one of those signs right before you get into Martinsville that gives you the estimated time on making it to 465, making it to 74, making it to I-70. Put that in the category of something I would have never thought I would have seen. It's that. Impressive. But I can't imagine around here I go, well, I can't wait for this. This light's taking too damn long. This old guy's buying lottery tickets, and I got to get Blake to school. How can I get my cup of coffee? I mean, I'm not one to really want to wait, and out there, you have to wait for everything. It is hurry up and wait, but the backdrop of that race at Long Beach, and I may sit here and tell you that, and I'll ask Jake this, full disclosure it felt incredibly boring to watch i go god this is boring and i know that there's strategy in it and i know again the backdrop that's great but i was sitting there thinking "Uh oh i might have to turn this because this is boring seems boring and it's weird too because the ovals are the ones that i'm drawn to and i know a lot of you that are drawn to because that is the more racier version but it's the street courses it's the road courses that get the most attention like seemed like 15 people watch texas i go man texas what a great race you watch that yeah great all right and how many people watched yeah about two handfuls but man, people watch Long Beach. People go. I can see why you'd want to go. Now, we'll talk to Jake about that. I don't know if he did one of those normal kind of going where they filmed the pool scene at Fast Times at Ridgemont High, anything like that. I think he ate at, was it a year ago? Did he tell us the, the restaurant El Coyote? Then on uh, Sunset, maybe? There are a lot of good things about that. And if you watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it actually is a backdrop that is set up by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Jake's going to join us coming up at the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Tucker Barnhart's got a late evening. The Cubs are on the road in Oakland to take on the hapless athletics. Man, it was on Saturday night. It was like an inch away from Tucker getting that out at home. Uh, Dodgers score. Dodgers win. I'm assuming that for Cubs fans, it's been a pretty good start. Has it not? It's not like I've noticed, right? I'm paying attention to my team. And the more and more I watch my team, even though Tucker's my friend, and I hope for the best for him, I watch my team. My team can run out guys there, and I would agree with this point, every day that are actually fun to watch. It's just sometimes the pitching gets in the way. But they can run out some guys like that out there every day that are enjoyable. Now, we'll talk to Tucker Barnhart live from Oakland, California, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, too. I love the start of the NBA postseason. It is weird. This is how Memphis has done me. Memphis has, and by the way, they've got some Indiana guys that have fallen out of the rotation. Like LaRavia was a first-round pick. Uh, Conchar is a guy. Both Conchar played at Fort Wayne collegiately. LaRavia is from LC, Indiana State, Wake Forest, uh, that have fallen out of the rotation. Desmond Bain is still in there right now. Uh, They do have a lot of injuries. And I guess that's 
what the signature so far these first two games, first two days, I should say, of the NBA postseason is injuries. But it is weird how Memphis, a year ago, they were the most fun for me to watch. And, man, that's that's the team I'm going to root for. I'm going to have a little bit of a rooting interest on this at home. And now with the way the season has gone, it's just kind of got the tables turned. And I almost felt compelled to watch what the Lakers were doing on Saturday and go, oh, wow, cool. I like that. Like Hachimura is a guy that I've watched for – what, a year or two while at Gonzaga? Nice to watch him play well. Watching Austin Reeves, who started his collegiate career at Wichita State from the state of Arkansas, getting big in the fourth on Saturday. So, yeah, I kind of almost thought, and this is not me because I normally don't give a crap about the Lakers. But I thought that that was fun as hell to watch. I really did. I need to see some back and forth, though. Somebody's got to get me a little bit of back and forth. I I feel compelled to tell you that at some point, the Clippers and the Suns are going to give that to us. A little bit of extracurricular, which I think is what we need in the postseason, right? That's what makes the postseason the postseason. And what makes the postseason the postseason, some extracurriculars, and then what we view as the worst officials of all time getting the primary gigs because the NBA view them as the best officials. (laughs) Seriously. Like the ones we hate, the ones we think suck, the ones we rip on all the time, get these plum gigs. Have you noticed that? Like every big game series, there's Scott Foster. We can't stand him. He stinks. There's Tony Brothers. Man, he's terrible. I don't like him whatsoever. There he is. Every big game moment. So obviously, obviously we do not have a similar viewpoint, right, as fans, as those that make these choices, these decisions in the NBA. All these guys who don't. Hey, there's Mark Davis. Oh. What is it? One of the 30 plus best. There he is. He got selected for the postseason. No, but it was really fun to watch. This has been really fun to watch so far. No doubt about that. Yeah, I was watching it the other night. So Blake had his prom for Ron Colley. Our good friend Tony Donahue was kind enough after substantial payment from dad to chauffeur he and his date around. That was awesome. Thank you, Tony Donahue. He was perfect for that. He knew all about the whole pocket square stuff, like stuff that I really didn't know. I'm thinking, Blake, unless you plan on going in Adidas basketball shorts, then you probably should defer to somebody else's knowledge on how to dress. But he had a blast. It was cool to see. It was cool to see. And I I didn't, like, thrust any of my, well, this is what I did on him. I just said, dude, you do whatever it is you need to do. So we came down here, got ready. I came down here doing uh, JMV Takeover. We got down here about 2 o'clock and gave him ample time to get ready. Tony came over, picked him up, chauffeured them around till about 11 o'clock. Uh, take the date home, come back here as I was uh, signing off the JMV Takeover. Got Tony home. I got up and went for a Laney game in Westfield yesterday morning at 9 a.m., which gave me about two and a half hours of sleep, which is pretty sweet, too. But, man, that makes for a weekend right there. It really does. 
some stuff that was really weird. Watching my son put on a tuxedo. And I would struggle with putting it on. He's built great. Like, he's never tried on anything that anybody else. Like, I had this problem growing up all my life, right? Everything I ever tried on, I never got the right size upon entrance into the dressing room. So it was always some marathon, and I hated every second of it. He just rolls in there, and, hey, that fits, that fit. I mean, <laughs> but it was really cool. As a dad, as a proud father, that was that was really cool. And a shout-out to Lane, too. Lane in Westfield. Saw some friends of the show up in Westfield. That was really nice. So good times. Good weekend, too. Got to rest it off a little bit yesterday. Uh, however, now it's time to get serious. All right, 239-1070. I got room for your calls coming up on the other side. We got a tavern tour stop coming up on Thursday. The main event in Fishers. You guys know what I'm talking about here? The main event. You know what that's about, too. Uh, Brent Halverson, by the way, I talked to him today, incredibly excited that Gardner Minshew got very interested in Mystic Waters, his campground. That's what we need. We need a uh, we need Gardner Minshew playing his guitar at Mystic Waters at some point this summer, don't we, for some kind of show? I'm very excited about that. Tavern Tour Stop is coming up on Thursday. That is at the main event. Main event. Not too far from I-69 up in Fishers, I think off of 96th Street. That's going to be a blast. And hopefully, feels like it's been a minute since we've been out. So hopefully I see you there coming up on Thursday. Jake Query, Tucker Barnhart, we have a busy week. George Foreman's got a film coming out. The former heavyweight champion of the world is going to join me later on this week. David Perner has a concert to be a part of. David Perner is the lead voice of Soul Asylum. He joins us coming up on Wednesday. Matt Painter is going to join us coming up on the show tomorrow. Matt Miller, the draft expert for ESPN tomorrow as well. We are just getting started. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, 239-1070. You guys want to jump on board? You certainly can right now. We've got you Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, as I mentioned. HD Radio, the stream, the app, and we're just getting started on this busy week. It's a Monday with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. Which are the second team? We're the first team. Yeah, we're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? It should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Uh, Brandon checks in with this. I used to frequent the main event on the west side, north of 56th Street. Uh, is that what the boathouse is right now? Uh, it said Todd Moore would always be pounding beers at the bar after practice. I was at the uh, boathouse, which I believe is still over off of 56, right? Inside, 465 off of 56 over there. And I, I saw 
I saw Tom Moore in there a number of times. He was always drinking some red, red wine. Shout out to UB40. <laughs> Uh, Sarah says, how in the blank is Blake old enough to go to the prom? I know. I'm dealing with that, too, on a different level right here. I am. It was really weird. Yeah, it was cool, though. It was really cool. I said, you want to look like 007 right here. Just go with the classic look for me, buddy. And he did. I, yeah, so I know. Listen, I'm not a fashionista here. I did have to look up uh, should your tie match or not match your pocket square. I had to look. I have no idea. My tie never matches my basketball shorts. I just kind of live that way. Nate writes this. If Levis and Richardson are projects, why not get best available? Carter, Anderson, I don't think it will happen with Ballard's job on the line. Let me tell you this, Nate. I believe that he could do that. Check that. I believe he could do that, and I would not be surprised he would do that. Because, Nate, his job is not on the line. It depends on, I'll just give you a scenario here. Do I think this is going to happen, Nate? Absolutely not. But I'll pitch it to you. If he could sell this to the owner, that, hey, these guys aren't what you want right here. I could see him trading down. I could see him going for the best available. That's all they always talk about is the best available. So what if Anderson's on the board at four? That's the best available. What you're going at four here is out of the position of need. And I mean a stratospheric position of need. But that was a hypothetical. And to me, they, they're sold on this. They're sold on the quarterback. The owner sold on the quarterback, drafting one finally. Draft one. But to me, Nate, it doesn't matter. He could. He could go Anderson. Again, I'm just spitballing with you here, too. Whomever. Go defensively. Who's it? Uh, the, the Oregon guy, you, you know, he's probably coming before 10. With Gonzalez, the Oregon corner. You can go either one of those directions, and it wouldn't surprise me in the least until you honestly think about what the owner probably wants about this. The the owner expects, to me, a quarterback, and I think that for the first time we're going to see Ballard go with it, even with all these question marks. But make no mistake, his job, his job is not on the line. It's a funny thing. And it sure as hell doesn't happen very often. You get six years in of one postseason win. And you get a reboot coming off a four-win season. That's what it is. You get a do-over after four-win season. I'd have to look. I don't know when that has ever happened. When has that ever happened? We were talking to Lance McAllister of 700 WLW. He goes back to all those Marvin Lewis years in Cincinnati. I'm talking about, you know, Lewis is the head coach, obviously. 
but they kept going back to him after bad season, after bad season, after bad season. It just rarely happens, if really ever, this way. In terms of going into year seven, you're talking about a high level, normally, of an NFL general manager, a high level of success. This is different. And it's going to be different. And it's going to be a different, it'll be number four, draft a quarterback, it'll be move forward with all your other picks, fill some of these gaps that are ample, whether it's at corner, which you're going to have to deal with. I don't know what you're going to end up doing with with a right guard. I guess you know, maybe a free agent, maybe somebody you can bring in that's maybe not even available yet. Hell, I don't know. Probably draft another offensive lineman. Another wide receiver. That's what's going to happen coming up this year. And you know, even if they have another bad season, Certainly not bad in terms of just how discombobulated and messy that was this past year. But if you have another bad win-loss season, I'm assuming during that time at least you show a little bit of hope that presents a little bit of goodwill. Because that's the issue right now. There's not a lot of that built. If there's any whatsoever, there is no goodwill. Face it, you sit out there right now and you're waiting for it to fail. But it's not like that between the owner and the general manager. It is going to be draft, go through this season. It is going to be show some signs, be certainly hopefully competitive at times, do more of that in year two, and then the proof is going to be in year number three. It's not like I believe in it. I'm just telling you how it's going to be. So he could really do, I think he could do whatever he wanted. And the only outlier to that is if you have completely sold, and it did, if you wanted to read into that tweet whatsoever, I'm not advising it, I'm just doing it for the sake of the show here. But if you wanted to read into that tweet yesterday that Jim Irsay sent out just a little bit, just a little bit, it would make you think one thing beyond what Nate just asked me on Twitter. It's that the owner is expecting a quarterback and not some round four. Well, if he does, that's great. Jacob Eason, if not, whatever. But expects a quarterback. And that, to me, is what carries more weight than anything else here. So, Nate, none of that would surprise me. And he's not going to go anywhere or anywhere at all in the next three. It is a reboot. Yeah, I saw this a little bit earlier, too, from Bobby Marks, our friend. The NBA in-season tournament schedule is expected to include quarters, uh, semis, and finals in early December. Prize money, 500 k Per player on winning team, 200K per player on runner-up, 100K per player on semifinal loser, 50 per quarter loser. See, I don't mind this because I've said this before. I do like tournaments. Tournaments are fun to all of us. 
Everybody loves tournaments. You got kids, your kids, at some point this weekend or at some point in the spring or the summer will be participating in some sort of tournament. You love tournaments as much as you love free agency. Two things that will never go away. We'll tell you this, if the transfer portal doesn't put you to bed as far as free agency, all it does is kind of build up your interest. It's never going anywhere. And the NBA is realizing that the whole tournament aspect is something that you certainly can lean on. And I, when you're talking about this being mid-season, or I should say in-season, sorry, I don't mind. It kind of breaks up the monotony of a long season a little bit. I don't know. I don't know how you're going to qualify it as, hey, great. You have to put up banners for winning that, I guess, if there are any banners going up. But that's one thing. Believe me, the NBA just did okay, we'll flip a coin. We'll either do this or not do this. This comes with a couple of different things. A great deal of research on how much the average fan loves a good old-fashioned tournament and then how much dollar we can make off of a good old-fashioned tournament. How much more money we can make off of this? How much interest can we draw at a time of year when a lot of people sometimes don't even remember that the NBA is officially underway? It's like a shout-out to you right there. Again, Adrian Wojnarowski and Bobby Marks hit that up before the start of this show. Quick break, we'll come back. Jake is back from Southern California, joins us top of the hour. Tucker Barnhart is in Northern California in Oakland. A's Cubs later on tonight. Tucker's going to join us at the 5 o'clock hour. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. No, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. It is. <laughs> you just contradicted me. No, I didn't. Oh, you did. No, 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 no. You did just no, then. No, no, nonsense. Oh, look, this is futile. No, it isn't. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, John Martin with this. Did you see those Cavender twins from the U got a deal with the WWE? It would be good guests on the show. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. That'd be a good conversation. They've decided not to play basketball. They really made it happen in terms of social media right there. Uh, They were the two twin guards that played as a part of the uh, Miami Hurricanes women's basketball team that upset IU going back a little over a month ago, if you remember. I did actually see that. The WWE, I believe today, right? Any of you uh, former WWF, now WWE historians, is this not the uh, late Roddy Roddy Piper's birthday? I think he passed away back in 2015. 69 or 70 years old today. 
one of the greatest of all time. And again, my short window of really thoroughly enjoying it, uh, he was a mainstay. Uh, Davis says this, why in heaven's name would you think the Colts would announce or let you know what their plans are for the draft? Everyone can speculate, but why would you trash them for not letting you know beforehand? Uh, Can somebody tell me what Davis is talking about here at all? Davis, you're going to have to help me out. Normally, normally I can look through your numb nut of this. I, I don't, I need a translator here. When did I say that, when did I trash them for not telling us? Davis, man, come on. Anybody else translate that? You want me to read that again? See if you can figure this out. Help me out. Why in heaven's name would you think the Colts would announce or let you know what their plans are for the draft? Everyone can speculate, but why would you trash them for not letting you know beforehand? What is Davis talking about? Either Davis misheard something, listened to something else, or is just really stupid. What is it? Which one is it? Connecticut water question of the day. It's multiple choice, A, B, or C. (laughs) Misunderstood misheard or is stupid where would you go on i'm just curious i don't think i ever said when i ever said that my good i can't believe they're not telling us <laughs> i should you know what though for the sake of originality i should i should get pissed off because they're not telling us oh you got to tell us what are these guys doing they're not telling us hey lounge what are they doing they're not telling us How can you buy a Colts ticket knowing that a little over a week to go before the NFL draft, this team, this Colts team is not telling you who they're going to draft at number four? Hey, if you're not smart about it, you might as well be original. So we'll be original. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That's great. I cannot believe the Colts have not told us what they're going to do. James, get somebody on the phone. I don't know who it would be, but let's cuss at somebody. I have no idea. Let me shake my fist. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. God, can you believe that? How are they not telling us? I just heard a promo with Kevin Pritchard. Oh, we like this guy. We know we like this. We need a hybrid. How about a power forward, a wing? How's he not telling us? Can you just come out and say who you like? Just tell us who you like. I mean, how do you not? Again, if nothing else, that's original. Greenwood Red did Showalter change his name to Davis. Davis. What in the world? I'll be honest with you. I think I just... I think that level of originality has been untapped right there. We may have to roll with that. Hour two straight ahead. Tucker's going to join us from Oakland in the five o'clock hour. Query's back from Southern California. He's with us next. Don't leave. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. 
Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. Awesome! Totally awesome! All right, Hamilton. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Tucker Barnhart's in Oakland. The Cubs catcher joins us from Oakland coming up here in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Matt Painter tomorrow, Matt Miller tomorrow. David Perner, Soul Asylum on Wednesday. Uh, he'll talk up his appearance with his band out at um, the Speedway coming up for Carb Day. I think George Foreman on Friday, Thursday, Tavern Tour Stop, Main Event, Fishers. Cannot wait for that. Would love to see you. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. And joining us now for the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Back from the LBC. So, did you find yourself at all when you were in Long Beach, maybe going through some lyrics like, they got my homie hemmed up and they're all around, can't none of them see him if they going straight pound for pound? Did you sing that to yourself at all? You know, when you're in Long Beach, you go through every single lyric. Right? California by Tupac goes through my head a lot when I'm out there. If I, when I think of Long Beach, California, I think of Regulate more than anything else. Totally. totally. I mean, yeah. Warren G and, and Nate Dogg, obviously, especially that was one of the like four songs in rotation, as I've mentioned to you before, when I interned at MTV. But I also, the one that sticks with me more is because when you fly into LAX you, and you get, you, or you can get your rental car, you're in Englewood. And all I can, and I mean, obviously the Great Western Forum, yeah. you know, but all I hear is Englewood, Englewood, always up to no good. <laughs> I, that goes through my head every single time. I love, John, I love Southern California. I'm not going to lie to you. I yeah. love Long Beach. I love LA. I love all the weather's great. I think the people are cool. I just, you know, it's each their own. I know there's a lot of people that have issue with it, but I I absolutely dig Southern California. Yeah, I thought about this, and maybe I'm wrong. I said, you know, I need to be – I got to have a wide berth. I got to be able to pee outside. But I guess you can in Southern California. You just be like 10 or 15 people would see you at one time, right, if I did. I, listen, first off, I, I mean – you, I can't imagine what you'd have to do to actually get arrested for anything. There. It's kind of like, <laughs> like it's kind of like carb day yeah. all year round. You know what I mean? Like you'd have to really be acting up for people to care, for people to notice, right? Because you kind of see a little of everything. I always thought maybe this film, and maybe I'm wrong. I, I know they named the town in it, but I didn't know if it was fictitious or not. But one of, one of my favorite, and it's um, – not often brought up, it's um, Men at Work with the Estevez brothers, Sheen and Estevez. <laughs> it, it's, I think their location is somewhere kind of around Long Beach or like Long Beach, uh, somewhere in that vicinity of Southern California, you know, obviously on the water there. And they had those two cops right. that rode around on their bicycles. That have always makes me laugh. Southern California. Have you been to L.A.? Because it is so. I have. I, I went out there. I've been out there twice. Once we drove from Las Vegas in a Jeep because we got out two days early before uh, a bachelor party. And we were just kind of sitting around. And I go, hey, let's go rent something and we'll drive to Los Angeles. So we went and rented a Jeep 
had no top on it, which it didn't need it, and drove through the desert and and went to L.A., went to the Viper Room on a Tuesday night, paid $50 oh, yeah. for a cover. I think had I not had my Indiana driver's license, I think it was like 15 to get in, but I had the Indiana driver's license, so it was 50 And then I went back in 96, I believe it was. I went to a couple of Dodger Padre games and, and met Quentin Tarantino at Wolfgang Puck's California Grill. Awesome. Now, was Tarantino cool? He was incredibly cool. Yeah, he cool. stood out, and if he was walking out, I was walking in. It was actually the night where Tyson bit the ear off of Evander Holyfield. And I, wow, when I was, okay. I, I was, I was, they were sitting us down, and the uh, the waiter said, "Hey, did you just uh, hear about that?" And uh, as they were sitting us down, but we were walking in, and Tarantino was walking out, and I just kind of looked up and I said, "Man, there's Quentin Tarantino." And he goes, "Hey, man, how you doing, man? What are you doing, man?" And we started talking about Reservoir Dogs a little bit, and uh, he asked where I was from, and I said Indiana, and he was cool as hell, really was. You know, how about this? Yesterday, I'm with Michael Young, tracky Michael Young, and Ryan Marine. We had a red eye out of L.A., so we went and did a little sightseeing, and we still had like three hours to kill. So Michael says, well, let me just find like a cool restaurant around here. So we end up going to Marina Del Rey, to this restaurant. It was, we couldn't find anywhere to park, so we, ah, there's a place across the street that looks fine, let's just go there. So we go in and we sit down. Guy comes, brings us our menus, and goes, hey, are you from Indiana? Because I had on a Pacer sweatshirt. I go, yeah. He goes, I'm from Greene County, Indiana. No, he didn't. I kid you not. And I said, you got to be kidding me. And I said, my coworker's from Greene County. Now, this kid was a lot younger, but it, and I apologize that I'm, this guy's, this guy's last name's always a mental block for me, but there's a sportscaster that does like some ISC stuff and Thad, what's his last name? Van. Oh, Van Devender. Yeah. Yeah. It was his cousin. Okay, because all the Van Deventers are related from Greene County right there. So, yeah. true. So he went to, and I always get Owen Valley and White River Valley confused. Which one's the one he would have gone to? So was he working or just in there? He was working. He was our waiter. Oh. Like, yeah, I moved out to L.A. like three years ago, but I'm from Greene County. That's awesome. Yeah, he he lived, he, he actually said he, he originally moved to Chicago from Greene County uh, to go to school in Chicago and then ended up moving out to L.A., and now he would, you know, I mean, I, he had another job. I can't remember what he said, but, you know, he makes ends meet by waiting some tables. Cool guy, but I just thought it was crazy. Here we are in Marina Del Rey, Los Angeles, and our waiters from Green County. You can never, John, you can never get away from the impact and outreach of Green yeah, County. You cannot, too. Now, I wonder if this was the Bloomfield part of Green County or was uh, was it on the other side of the river? In Greene County. There are also some Shackamack area, some Jasonville area, Van Deventers over there, too. But, no, you can't get away from Greene County wherever you go, no doubt. That is correct. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't say, <laughs> can I start you guys off with some Big Red? I'm surprised he didn't ask that. <laughs> you guys, uh, for an appetizer, you guys, uh, here's some hot fries. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hot fries and a honey bun for breakfast. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> that is so good right there. So we took the red eye and I landed at 540 and went home in time to get a quick shower and went into work. It's outstanding so. work out of you. By the way, Marina Del Rey is fictitiously, uh, fictitiously where Frank Poncherello lived when he was a chip. 
Nice. California Highway that, Patrolman, Frank yeah, Pacharello, known as Ponch. Eric Estrada, wouldn't it? It would be Eric Estrada, who in Muncie once upon a time did play a role as a policeman. True story. That's right. That, yeah. yeah, he did a rea- didn't he do like a reality deal in Muncie? Like, he did. Yeah, that was the reality show where he, yeah he was uh, he was a cop up there I think for a, a period of time. So nice. good stuff. He was a great roller disco or two back in 1979. <laughs> hey man, I remember when Eric Estrada got in an actual motorcycle accident. Probably I'm going to guess 1980, and my sisters and I were like glued to the radio to get like hourly updates on the health status of Heck Eric yeah. Estrada. Heck yeah. No, I, I mentioned in Marina Del Rey, he had him lined up out the door over there. Big time star, man. Big time star. Shagtacular, I'm sure, in Marina Del Rey uh, back when he was a member of, of Chips. You know, Kyle Kirkwood, what um, what's his ceiling, you think, as a young driver that not a lot of people know a great deal about that won yesterday? I think a lot of people have always felt like, you know, so Kyle Kirkwood I like his story for this reason, John, and that is that there are a lot of guys that come through the ranks in the world of racing and you find out after the fact that, you know, they they had huge financial backing all the way through that was buying them the best equipment or other such things. And then there are guys that just have won everywhere they've gone along the way, and that's Kyle Kirkwood. I mean, he's gone through the entire ladder series in the road to Indy, he won a championship in F2000. He won a championship in Indy Lights, which is now Indy Next. That won him a scholarship money to get an Indy car. There really wasn't any prime availability for him. You know, Andretti Autosport is who he'd always driven for. So he, he used that scholarship money the first year, and A.J. Foyt kind of dropped him a bone by giving him an opportunity to run with that team. And I think that was probably good for him because he had to spend his rookie year with a team that was a little bit underfunded, probably didn't have as good an equipment or testing stuff. And he struggled through a little bit. And maybe that, like, you know, I'm not going to say humbled him because I don't know that he needed to be humbled, but it just caused him to, to have to learn racing from a different viewpoint. But then he gets the opportunity this year in Andretti Autosport. And there was, from the get-go, there was expectation that he was going to be running up front. And, I mean, we've only had two races, obviously. But, you know, you started to wonder, like, okay, you know, when are we going to start seeing the results? And then, boom. I mean, this is the breakthrough. He was the pole sitter over the weekend at Long Beach. He did not make a mistake the entire race. He ran an outstanding race, and he was fast. So, you know, I think he could be – I think a really good comparison for him would be like a Ryan Hunter Ray. You know, he could win a season championship. He could probably win an Indy 500. Maybe even won a couple of them because he's still young. Um, but this is not a, a guy that – is going to be like some weird one-off win, fluke type thing. He's going to be here for a while, and he's going to be a guy that's going to be contending for not only wins, but probably season championships for for a couple of years to come here. He's uh, Jake Crary, who joins us. Hey, does Team Ganassi still have as much money as they used to have? Yeah, I think so, because they, you know, one thing that Chip Ganassi's always done that's, that's really smart, you know, last year they got obviously a huge boost the last couple of years from Carvana with Jimmy Johnson, but they managed to parlay, you know, chip uses a lot of different corporate connections, I think for sponsorship, but then they kind of auxiliary sponsor off of that. Like for example, when they had the target sponsorship that parlayed into another car being products that were product placement along with target as the epicenter, you know, PNC bank, I think probably is a business connection for chip Ganassi because he's out of Pittsburgh he might even be on the board for the bank. But 
Um, but Ganassi himself has enough money, first off, that their sponsorship is such, you know, they now have three cars. They kind of interchange the way that those sponsorships work. But, um, yeah, I think that they are as well-funded as, you know, it probably fluctuates year to year, but they still would be one of the better-funded teams and still, without question, one of the top two or three teams along with Andretti Autosport and, and Penske. You know, and Aero McLaren now has, has surged up there as well. So instead of just the two teams, Penske and Ganassi, I don't know that it's those teams, John, have, have lost any luster as much as other teams have elevated themselves to get into that area. Target, by the way, stinks now. I can't stand it. I used to love Target. Can't stand it. Now, what, what what's your beef with Target? They uh, they moved everything around. They redid stuff, and it sucks. There's got to be people on board with me. I don't know. Maybe it's the one where I go on 135, where I used to go, but it sucks now. Well, I do know that a big, and this is to their credit, maybe this is what gets you. Target is the king, is it not, of like, I'm going to run into Target to get one thing and you end up going in there and walking around and you end up buying 15 i, I mean that's their whole mo right yeah I, well, it, it, it used to be it just it, it's no longer it used to be enjoyable you go in there now and it just kind of sucks i i don't know what it is I, maybe it's just you me think, being a curmudgeon old fart not having it the way that it used to be the, the way that i liked targets, it but. John, do you know what the local targets used to be yeah airway Oh, yeah. Which was glorious. Glorious. Loved the airway, yeah. um, The one over the one, I got a 45. On 45, the cars shake it up at the airway on West Washington Street, right there by 465. Nice. I got my first ever album that I bought was Sean Cassidy. (laughs) Uh, I think it was Do Run Run in Shelbyville, Indiana at the airway. Oh, I love it. And I ran into my classmate, Marcy McCracken, who gave me a kiss in the airway. How about that? That's nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Would you choose airway or target over hills? Oh, I I was never – hills is where the toys are. We know that. I loved hills. But I was was definitely more an airway guy. I've got a bunch of – Get a bunch of old starting lineup guys, especially a lot of starting lineup hockey guys from Hills that I still have in boxes at my house. <laughs> Waiting for those to become collectors. By the yeah, <laughs> it will never happen. <laughs> never happen. Hey, this is from Jason Gill. So I go to that exact Target yesterday with my wife, and it took me forever to find the electronics department. It's supposed to be right at the door to the left side. I mean, they just discombobulated everything. You know, I, I, I guess if you got time down there in CG and not have to worry about it, but man, it's just—I think it sucks. I hate what they've done. I don't there's go there. A method to the madness, John. I'm telling you, there's a method <laughs> to the madness. So, hey, why is why is Chris Ballard not telling everybody, not telling Colts fans who are going to draft at number four? I think it's probably in the Colts' best interest to keep that somewhat close to the vest, is it not? Well, I, I mean, bring, I, I bring that up. I bring that up because. I'm going to read this to you. This is this is from a, a listener. Uh, I don't know if he's a friend any longer. I don't know if he's ever been a friend, but he's a listener. Um, I don't know if he heard this wrong, um, if he interpreted this wrong, or if he's just a dumbass. One of the three here are working. Why in heaven's name would you think the Colts would announce or let you know what their plans are for the draft? Everyone can speculate, but why would you trash them for not letting you know beforehand? So I thought, I thought with that, 
I should, right? It's about being different. I should come up with the original idea. I'm just going to start ripping on them because they haven't told us yet. How about that? I, I can't okay. believe I mean, for, for six, now six plus years, Chris Ballard's been here. Not once has he told us who he's going to draft. I mean, what kind of crap is that? You know the one thing I'll say about him? <laughs> Flip and see aside. Yeah. The one thing I'll say about Chris Ballard, I, I mean, I have certainly had a little bit of an eye roll about the way that he's handled the media at times. I think he has as well. I think he looks back, and, and I think somebody got in his ear and said, look, man, you know, at this point you have yet to build a, a real contender, so a little humble pie might go a long way. And I think he he started to exhibit that, and I'll give him credit for that. But he is one of those guys that I think sometimes that we expect that he is sending smoke signals to throw people off the scent, and then we look at it in the end and go, yeah, he kind of said all along is what they were going to do. Now, maybe not explicitly say we are taking player A or we're taking player B, but I think he's pretty upfront about, look, I don't think we're going to do the following, and then they don't. And everybody goes, well, he's just saying that to throw people off the scent. I think he's actually pretty transparent. I mean, I don't think he's transparent to the point of we're taking this player, period. But I think we have a pretty good idea. Like, I do think they're going to stick it for, and I do think they're going to take a quarterback. And, again, I do think it's going to be Will Levis. Richardson probably, if, if it gets to it where it's between Richardson and Levis, that'll be an interesting Debate in the war room, probably, but it's going to be one of those two guys, in my opinion. Now, I say that, they may go totally opposite of that, but I think the indications are that's what they're going to do. It's uh, Jake Quay with us. By the way, too, regarding Chris Ballard, if if I were driving home and I heard some dumbass like me ripping on me, right, about the job that I'm doing, I wouldn't like that person either. So I completely understand why he wouldn't like yeah. me, right? I, I do. And that's just kind of – that's the nature of the game. That's the nature of, of what he does. It's the nature of, of what we do as well. So that's that's one thing I can understand. But I did want to ask you this. Jake Query's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. And, like, I, I'd heard – and I, this goes back to October that there was Levis interest there, and they really haven't done anything to lead me to believe, and certainly we haven't heard anything. They've been locked up tight that it's going to be anything different. But in terms of Richardson and that interest, so if there is interest there, and Ballard told me that he goes by game film, actual games, not – pro day not combine not the one-on-one stuff not the private workouts would there be enough game footage to go on and how dangerous can it be for a team i'm not suggesting the colts are one but how dangerous can it be for a team to fall in love with those measurables that they have denounced in the past in terms of richardson here well here's the thing to me that's intriguing and about Richardson and probably creates somewhat of like a dilemma because I agree with you. And the fact that Ballard has always been pretty open about like, look, it comes down to performance and tape, you know, body of work. Richardson is a Johnny come lately to an extent, you know, he doesn't have the full arsenal in terms of tape that you have on other players, but he does have something that, so that would be advantage Levis, but he does have something over Levis, and Levis is a physical guy, but Richardson is a physical freak. I mean, his his physical skill set 
He's he's big. He's athletic. He's fast. He's got a big arm. He's got all the things. You know, Ballard loves all of those intangibles as well. I'm going to go back to what I've said before, and that is, I think in the end, if Richardson and Levis are the two players that he is having to choose between, I truly believe that in the back of his mind, Ballard is going to continue to default to the fact that Jim Irsay has started to hedge a little bit on the overall security that Ballard has. And therefore, Ballard is going to know that he needs to take the quarterback that is the most ready to play now. And I think it's Levis. And the one that, while Richardson might have the better upside, and he may, and I totally understand that Richardson might be the bigger payoff in the end, but he's also probably the bigger risk. And in my opinion, Chris Ballard has painted himself into a corner with this draft where he has to take the player that minimizes risk the greatest amount for him, and that would be Levis over Richardson. To Jay Quay with us, I'm sure you saw the Jim Irsay tweet with the collage of the four quarterbacks. Now, granted, I don't think it means much, but I do think your answer is sitting right there, and I think that's one of the reasons why he felt compelled and comfortable to want to have some fun. And certainly doing it, I think your, I think your answer is is uh, is right there. But it is kind of funny with everybody, you know, ending up viewing this, reading this, looking at this, and you know, trying to analyze it, you know, you know, trying to translate it. But uh, it, all in all, I will say this: they've been locked up incredibly tight. And I asked Mike Chapel this on Thursday. I wonder if there are certain aspects that they don't let. Jim know about or in on at that moment just to make sure everything is under lock and key you think there is I mean he is the owner there's no way they would ever own that themselves but sometimes I wonder if that's true you I yeah I think it's fair and especially because you know I think Ursay also is a little bit conflicted is maybe the wrong word but I think that Jim Ursay has to his credit worked really hard to not overstep and I think that in particular chap would tell you that maybe this year was the first time that Ursay started to slip into that area into that category of meddling maybe a little too much but I think maybe Ursay realized that and maybe this is his own test of you know what I'm going to go ahead and let my guy let my general manager have full autonomy here and if that's the case that's even more pressure on Ballard to get it right because Ballard knows you know, look, if I go with strictly what Jim Ursay tells me to do, then, then maybe that saves me a little bit. So maybe Ursay says, I'm not going to let him know what I want. Although I would imagine that Ballard knows that because you and I have heard the same thing. And that is that Ursay's a fan of Levis as well. But I'll be curious to see, I mean, how much. And Shane Steichen has to come into play as well. I mean, Kevin's talked about it a lot in the morning. You know, they, they went out and got a coach that is a quarterback guy. So you've got to absolutely weigh in as well what Shane Steichen's opinion in all of it is as well. So, you know, you got three guys, three guys that I think know football pretty well. And all three of them are going to have their opinion. And obviously, if two of the three want one guy and one guy, you know, and then, then somebody's going to be odd man left out. But I do think that it probably is going to be a collaborative effort. And I am fascinated by which of the three is the one that has the ultimate say of, no, this is the guy we want. And theoretically, it would be the owner because he's the one that pulls all the strings in the end. 
but by title, it would be Chris Ballard. All of it to me is pretty fascinating, truth be told. And that doesn't answer which one I think is going to have the, the ultimate say because I don't know. I don't know that any of us know. It's funny. I I was talking a little bit earlier to somebody, and, and I, I bring this up all the time. They actually over with the Colts should love us because we may be all running the ultimate misdirection here locally for them. And it's stuff they don't even have to be a part of. You know, I could be talking about stuff that's, you know, 100 100- percent bass backwards here if you know what i mean not even in the ballpark and running a misdirection for them but uh, somebody told me today that there may be a that's why i brought up the question to you about um richardson and you know kind of gaining a little bit of interest and or love for him after the season is over by these workouts and ask you how that could be dangerous because you know you hear a little bit of that too which could be just complete misdirection because it's coming now so late in the game, but but we'll see. It just doesn't sound to me like if you're looking at it, even with the season that Levis, Jake, had last year that was, let's say, uneventful, right, in Lexington for him as a quarterback compared to the season a year ago, you are going to be going on measurables and alone workouts and shorts and one-on-ones and pro days I, I'd find it hard to believe that after all that has been said about Chris Ballard or by Chris Ballard about how they evaluate talent like that, that they would go against it and go Richardson and not Levis here. That's another reason I why totally I sit agree. here. I mean, it feels dangerous for sure. I totally agree. And look, I think Richardson's a very intriguing talent. And by all account, he, I don't know the guy at all, but he's handled himself very well. He's said all the right things. He's, he is absolutely wowed and he is a physical and impressive, impressive, you know, impressive physical player. But I just think when you're drafting fourth and when you're drafting a guy that theoretically you're going to hand the keys over to, you take every single thing into account and you go with the one that has the, all these guys, all of them, John, and I'm including Young and Stroud, all four of those guys have risk factors in them because I don't know that anybody's a quote-unquote can't miss. And I keep saying, I think this is a draft that has four quarterbacks towards the top, not because they are four quarterbacks that are can't miss, but rather because there are so many teams up top that need a quarterback. There's a difference there. But I think you go with the one at four, either one of two things is going to happen. You're going to end up with the fourth of the four because – Quarterbacks go one, two, three, which that remains to be seen. Or you go with the one that simply gives you the best chance to be successful because they have the least risk. And I think Richardson probably has the highest upside, but the most risk. Before I let you go, a tip of the cap to the Pat McAfee show, because he had Michael Lombardi, a former executive in the NFL, on today. And Labardi has been steadfast in talking about why the Colts should make a run right now at Lamar Jackson. He seems to be the only one on the planet that right now either doesn't realize or maybe he just knows something we don't about any level of interest whatsoever in Lamar Jackson. Is that just a guy throwing stuff out there? Because believe me, that would be the logical move, but there's no way in the world I believe that that's going to happen. I don't even think they ever thought about that happening. Why would a guy like that continue to run out that story? I'm just curious. Yeah, 
I mean, that, I agree with you. Why would you? And and certainly Lombardi, you know, I respect his level of knowledge and insight. But in that one, and so I will defer to the fact that maybe he knows something we don't, but I can't see it in this one. I, I don't think they have an interest in Jackson. And I don't think that Lamar Jackson makes sense for them from a number of different things, including the timing, as we've talked about, the assets you'd have to give up, the money that's going to be involved that Jim Irsay is opposed to, I think, in a lot of areas. Uh, I would be... And the rest of the league opposed to in a lot of areas, too, and its ownership. And I, I cannot see how that's a that, that, It seems to me, even more so than anything else, uh, it would seem to be detrimental to any chance that Jim Irsay would have a major standalone voice as he has taken the podium to do, again, that's uh, not literally, but figuratively, the past couple of times. As far as wanting to be that lead voice in the NFL, the rest of the NFL ownership would frown upon that, would they not? A little side-eye action on him if he would happen to do that? Couldn't agree more. I I just I don't think – there might be a team that's going to pay Lamar Jackson. I personally think it's going to be Baltimore. Uh, I don't think the Colts are going to be the one that helps. And what we're talking about, for those that are unfamiliar, is, you know, you're talking about a lot of guaranteed money, a guy that kind of went rogue in terms of representation. Uh, and, I, you know, Lamar Jackson certainly has that right, and I don't think it makes him a bad guy by any stretch. But uh, I think the owners don't like that kind of thing. And I think that enabling that is something that as – is there a little bit of collusion against him? That's a very dangerous term to throw around but I think it probably was whispered about at the owners' meetings. And I think that of all the owners in the NFL, few of them cherish and respect the fraternal nature of NFL ownership like Jim Irsay. I just don't see him bucking what the other what the other owners would possibly talk about. All right, Jake, I heard you and Kevin. You're talking to Kevin Pritchard last week. You know, it, it just really pisses me off that he didn't tell you who he was going to draft. That's so stupid. <laughs> I mean... That's- how can you guys sit there and talk with him with a dude? He owes it. They owe it hey, to Pacer fans to tell guy. them who they want to draft. I had another guy that sent me a thing that said, you owe it to all of us to tell us who you think the Colts should take talking to me yeah. because this is the most important decision in franchise history. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, I mean, the decision to leave Baltimore probably was more important. The decision to draft Manning over Leaf was probably more important. The decision to cut Manning was probably more important. The decision of who they're going to take one and two when they're the only franchise in league history to have the top two picks in, the, in a single draft was probably more important. It's important. It is important. To have a top five pick is very important, and it's the most important decision for the franchise right now. But that doesn't mean it's the most important in franchise history. How about the decision that Nick Harper once made – that ultimately got him stabbed in the thigh with a fork that cost the Colts against the Steelers. Yeah. That decision. And also, that same decision to not like turn around and find someone to lateral to. Yeah, those are also <laughs> very important. You get one-arm tackled by Ben Roethlisberger. That's right. You get a fork sticking out of your thigh. Come on, man. Man. Jeez. Good old days right there. I, I, I just, you know, of all things I've been mad about, the Colts owe it to everybody to tell them who they're going to draft a week and four days away from the draft. You just keep banging that drum and we'll see who we can get out of it. I got you <laughs> yeah, I know what I want to get out of it. So, sure. All right, buddy. Go get some rest. Good to talk with you. Glad you uh, met I some Green County that. and Marina Del Rey. We're everywhere, right. brother. We are everywhere. That's right. The footprint goes all around the globe. No question. 
Thanks, Jake. We'll see you, John. So, Jake Query on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. A Van Devender of Greene County in Marina del Rey, California. We're everywhere. We are everywhere. Now, a lot of us are still there. We are everywhere and may or may not have a can of skull in our back pocket. Back with you next. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Rob says it's the most important Ballard decision. That's fairly accurate right there. Uh, JMV, does Levis equal Leaf? I mean, there's a lot there going on or was going on with Leaf for Levis to equal Leaf. Uh, JMV, all targets seem like they're always under construction. Well, they have been for a while. I used to be a big fan, but not anymore. It is not the same. Yeah, I wouldn't look into Jim Irsay's tweet from yesterday. It just kind of adds to it, adds the fun to it. I I just continue to come up with more evidence. And again, this is not anything hardcore. Just speculation. Circumstantial evidence that would lead me to believe and stick with what I believe they're going to do at number four. That's what it comes down to for me. Is that. And that's what I expect. Then really there hasn't been anything to change my mind. Jared G chimes in. Armed and Famous is the name of the reality show that was filmed in Muncie. We were talking about that a little bit earlier. It was wild to go into IHOP at 2 a.m. and see Jack Osborne or Wee Man sitting there eating. <laughs> Uh, JMV, what's up with the traffic on the south side? It's chaos. All right. South siders stuck in chaotic traffic. You'll have to let me know because I sure as hell can't see it. And Matt Bear is not going to do an update here. So I do not know what's going on on the south side right now. I just know that I'm not good with it. And while Southern California is awesome, I've been there all of twice and I loved it. You know, just as long as you don't build your house on some cemetery like they did in Poltergeist, it seems like a hell of a time. But I was also there on vacation and having fun with zero responsibility whatsoever. And it seems like anywhere you try to go, there is going to be a lot of traffic and a great deal of delay. And I don't work great in that environment. But I loved it, though. Man, Tarantino was awesome. Uh, Tarantino and uh, Kari Wurr. You guys remember Kari Wurr from MTV's Remote Control? I forgot to tell Jake about that. And then Adam Duritz inside uh, the Viper Room. Uh, We were 
and the same we're at the same line of urinals in the bathroom. Very I was going to have him on sometime and say, hey, you remember back in 1995 when we urinated close to one another? Ah, pretty good. I just don't know. I don't know if I could could make it out there. Maybe a little bit too much hillbilliness in me. It's all right. Uh, shout out to Ander. I just want or uh, wait till you have the cutest grandkid in the world like I do. Hey, dude, <laughs> we'll be thinking about that. Wait a minute. I just, I got myself cats in the cradle this weekend on the prom. I can't get that far down the road. It's tough. Can't even begin to think about that stuff. JMV, the more and more I think about this draft, the more and more I believe they should defer. I sit here right now and tell you there's no way in hell they can. You take somebody and you go. You take somebody and you go and, I mean, you hired this described whiz at dealing with all levels of quarterback, all versions of quarterback. I mean, essentially, he's, he in, in terms of the world of ink pens, he's like that pen that you used to take to school that had every color available. You just pressed it down. That's supposed to be Shane Steichen. You hired Shane Steichen. Now let Shane Steichen go to work with this ball of quarterback clay that you draft. There is no way you can sidestep it. Zero. None. Hey, listen, I like talking to Gardner Minshew. But you didn't bring Gardner Minshew in here for that. Hey, JMV, are you smelling any upsets with the Bucks and the Heat if... Obviously, if Giannis is long-term with that back situation, that is problematic. Broken hand for Tyler Hero. That was weird, too. Sliding for a loose ball. He was going all out, too. I was going to blame Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen was actually the one of the play involved in Hero. It wasn't on Grayson Allen, but Hero breaks his hand. Yeah, the, the Jimmy Butler is one of those guys for me. I can't stand watching him play against the Pacers because he gets every stinking whistle in the arena, and it drives me nuts. But I'll be damned. When he is playing and it's not against the team that you watch all the time or be most invested in, if you can just watch it from that standpoint and especially watch him go from a regular season – to a postseason, it is pretty amazing. He can go get it. I mean, pretty amazing. Uh, Lakers in Memphis, now the health of John ja Morant, obviously, we watching that. I did. I liked watching Hachimura, and I liked watching Austin Reeves have fantastic games for the Lakers. What did they have? They scored four with 20 points or more in that playoff game, that game one in Memphis yesterday. That happened for the first time since, help me out here, 1988, I think. That was Worthy Magic, Byron Scott, and Kareem. I do. I loved watching the excitement of Austin Reeves after that game, too. That was pretty cool. 
like went to high school in Arkansas about uh, an hour plus from Memphis where they were playing. Had about a hundred or so friends and family over there. And he had a spectacular fourth. And I don't want to root. It just seems like gross. I'm not rooting here for the Lakers, but it just it's fun. Fun to watch. So, yeah, to answer your question long-windedly there, Deaton, absolutely. A quick break. I'll tell you what, Matthew, John, let me reset here. I'll get you guys coming up on the other side. Tucker Barnhart from Oakland, California, Cubs and A's later on tonight. Uh, that and more coming up in a big week for the show and a tavern tour stop coming up on Thursday. Mark that one on your calendar. If you don't and you haven't, I'll set you straight with that info next. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Lisa, three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Big Audio Dynamite brings us back. You guys ever heard of the supergroup, the Baseball Project? It is composed of a couple of Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Peter Buck and Mike Mills, formerly of R.E.M., obviously of R.E.M. So what is that date at Deluxe over at the Amiral National Center for the Baseball Project? It is August 26th. August 26th. I'm not going to do that right now, but I want to give away a pair of tickets for this. Uh, that is pretty cool right there. Steve Wynn is a part of it. Just thinking of others here. But certainly mainly comprised of a couple of former REMers with uh, Peter Buck and Mike Mills. Oh, not right now. No, 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 no. Not right now. A little bit later on. Don't jump it on me here. Give you a chance to to win those tickets. August, and by the way, Deluxe at the Mural National Center is nice. I think Morello was a couple of years ago. It might have been pre-COVID. Morello played down there, too. Tom Morello, Rage Against the Machine. Uh, John's at 239-1070. Hello, John. How are you? Hey, pretty good, man. Hey, I got two questions real quick here to ask. Yes. Uh, my first one is, is, what would it take the Colts to trade up to number three? Would they, if they hear or smell like another team that's interested in a quarterback that they want? Or, I mean, what, I don't know what would... I would take. I would guess. I, I Like, people say nobody knows what they're doing yet. I, I disagree. I, I think that they kind of know what everybody's doing. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, and maybe they would. I just... Yeah, I just think that they're comfortable where they are, and I think that's they're going to stay. I would have to think, though, hypothetically, John, as you bring up, if they had targeted somebody that they have wanted for a while and that was set to be compromised, I'd like to think that they would do something about it. Right? 
because I mean, because obviously to trade up, they're going to have to probably give a tra- uh, give a player away and draft picks. Obviously, Arizona would probably want for that pick. I don't know. Can you imagine that? That would be like uh, double root canal enema for Chris Ballard to have to do that. Uh, yeah, I, I think you know Chris <laughs> Ballard is going to need an Indiana National Guard to leave 56th Street if that happens. I cannot uh, imagine that he would want to ever do that. I, I, again, that's just another reason why. I, I would tell you that I could be completely wrong, but if there was something that would take me away from what I believe that they can get and what they believe they can get it for, and that's why they're comfortable, man, I would. Because I would love to be a little bit more lively in the conversation, but it just kind of seems like that's where they are. They seem really comfortable. Now, again, hypothetically, if that's compromised at number three, I would have to think that they would be hardcore about defending what they want, but... Yeah, kicking and screaming without giving something up to move up one. I mean, if you're going to give something up, you give something up to move up to one to to make it a priority for anybody that you want. They didn't do that, so, yeah. Yeah, one or two, I would think. You would think. I'm not a football insider, so I don't know. John, anything else? Yeah, when Twin Peaks opens up on Conline Road in Madison, you going to do your show there? Of course. It seems like it's uh, a little bit of a snail's pace right now. Have you noticed? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I drove by there this morning. They had to sign up and all that, but yeah, I know I somebody started some jackassery in one of the dumpsters out there about a month and a half ago. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I yes, and I've I've talked to people, the people that are going to run it that are involved in the one up on the northeast side. So yes, that is a target often whenever that thing opens up. All right, nice. I'll have to listen to you and see when you're going to do it. You got it, John. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate that. Matthew, close out this hour. How are you? Hey, JMV. I'm doing well. Matthew, what do you got on your mind? All right. So, of all the Colts free agents we have, I might have asked you this before, mm-hmm. but who's the one that we definitely need to retain and who's the one we definitely need to not retain? Oh, uh, well, I mean, they've, they've, yeah, they've made those, those decisions, um, for the most part already. I, I mean, they didn't feel the need to try to protect, uh, Bobby O'Karake whatsoever. Didn't feel the need to, to, to protect Paris Campbell. I, to answer your question though, Matthew, I listen, is Paris Campbell, you know, a difference maker in being good and not, I just thought, what he proved more so than anything else of being able to withstand the season and you know not being able to get any good quarterbacking whatsoever I would have thought for that dollar figure that he ended up getting from the Giants that maybe he would hang around but clearly I thought wrong yeah anything else Matthew uh I know you already had Jake on, so maybe yeah. you or he already touched on this, and I missed this. Do you know what it is about Long Beach that so many drivers get their first win on that course specifically? I do not know. I, I strategy. I, I don't. Yeah, I do not know. Hey, Matthew, I got to run. Hit the top of the hour. I'll hear from you again on Saturday, right? Yes, you will. Sounds good. Matthew and Maine, a part of the JMV takeover. Yeah, I don't know what that would be. I'd have to ask him. I like the background, though. I thought the race was. A snoozer, but I like the background. Kyle Kirkwood, the winner yesterday. Tucker Barnhart is always a winner. Even playing for the Cubs, he's a winner. The Cubs backstop joins us next. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, bro. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. 
Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, leave this up for a minute. In terms of our next guest, there's a connection. <laughs> By the way, that's the baseball project. We got tickets for you. Deluxe at the old National Center coming up in August. Peter Buck and Mike Mills of REM, among others. And that song about our good friend, the catcher of the Chicago Cubs competition later on tonight out of Northern California, the Oakland A's. And Tucker's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Had you ever heard of the baseball project? For the uh, for the reference and how I was connected to that, but I heard the end of it. So, no, that was a first timer for me. The baseball project. So they have looking here. Uh, volume two, high and inside, was released back in 2011. Volume one. How old are you? Five. Uh, volume one, frozen <laughs> ropes and dying quails. Later that I'll, year. I'll have to dig into this. I like uh, I like the little cliche baseball terms that they're using i have to have to check them out do you um do you guys in the dugout use frozen rope and dying quails roll them all out there we roll them all out there more than i'd probably like to admit the uh the old sarcastic baseball cliche is driven into the ground time and time again we used to do we we used to do this in baseball and in softball you ready and i'm curious if you guys do it (laughs) (laughs) when uh, we had somebody at the plate We'd all be going, all right, now, get you a little something you can line drive. Find some grass, baby. Find some grass. A little something you can line drive. (laughs) All all of them. Oh, man. That's my favorite. I've heard them a thousand times. Let's go, Blue. That was most common, too. (laughs) Come on, Blue. Yes. (laughs) I think the most common one for me is to yell at the umpire and then say – and then point at the guy next to me and try to get him tossed instead of myself. <laughs> Osmer said it. That was him. It's Osmer. <laughs> Osmer. <laughs> he seems like he's a fun dude, is he? Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, I've, known, I've known Eric for a long time. We actually played um, on a showcase tournament team uh, back when I was a sophomore in high school and he was a junior. Uh, we played at a, at a tournament in Florida. So I've known Eric for a long time. He, uh, he played against him a bunch, obviously. Uh, so he's, he's a good dude. He's, he has a lot of fun, that's for sure. Yeah, it seems like a really good addition, uh, along with you, to that team this year. I, I wish we had better microphones in the dugout to hear that stuff, though. Is there a lot of cussing that goes on in there? It'd have to be like a pay-per-view type of thing. See, if you had it's what we need. Cameras and microphones in the dugout. I don't know if it'd be good for anybody, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm sure nobody would want. But I will say this. I mean, the more and more you get these live dugout interviews now, I mean, it kind of started with right in the postseason years ago, you know, the managers where they would just put on the headset and the camera would be in front of them. And now it's it's kind of evolved into, you know, I mean, hell, it seems like it's going to be once every inning here relatively soon. 
I think it's fun, man. I really do. I think how they're how they're giving giving mics to, to players to kind of walk them through certain situations and stuff. The the most recent one I saw was Martin Maldonado of the of the Astros was a catcher that was wearing it, which I've always told him, I said, if they want to put a mic on me, it's going to be about, need to have like a 10 second delay on it just in case. But uh, <laughs> it, it seems like a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I hope, hopefully I can get to do it um, one of these days. It's uh, it'd be fun to just kind of walk people through the thought process of certain situations and certain things. But uh, I think it's pretty cool. Do you like the uh, clock, the pitching clock? I've I hated it at the beginning of spring training, but I have learned to love it. Me too. It is, Me too. It is awesome. It, it's so funny, man. You, we played a we played a three hour game the other day, and it felt like an absolute marathon, which that which would have been, <laughs> uh, which would have been a quick one a year ago, you know. So yeah. I think we're. I mean, the other night in, in in LA, I looked up and we were in the fifth inning, and it, the sun hadn't gone down yet. And we were about a, an hour in or forty five minutes in, which is. Which I mean, there, nobody nobody wanted to play a, a, a slow game to begin with before the clock. It just kind of happened the way with with routines and such. But um, I'm I'm learning to love it. That's for sure. The, who's the benefit, the the pitcher or the hitter? Yeah, you know, man, I I, I would say it leans toward the pitcher. Uh, to be honest with you, um, I think that there there are little nuances to it in terms of how many times a hitter can say it can ask for time. Or step out, or when a when a hitter has to be in the batter's box, for example, as a hitter you have to be air quotes in your stance with 11 seconds left to go, which gives the pitcher 11 seconds to kind of just sit there and 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 wait to throw a pitch um, if you're ready to hit. And when you're in that situation, you can get stiff and you can get stuck, and it makes it hard to kind of pull the trigger uh, with your swing. So I, I, if it benefits anyone, um, I, I think it does maybe the pitcher just a little bit. So uh, Tucker Barnhart of the Cubs in Oakland later on tonight start a series with the A's. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, I, I saw two games back in the 90s at Dodger Stadium. Uh, Kevin Elster at the time, uh, known for this, was trying to pick up a couple of chicks right behind the dugout, which was pretty cool back then. He was he was known for swinging that around a little bit, and I actually got to see it live and in person, but is it as enjoyable? I, the atmosphere to me is awesome. I mean, the backdrop right there in Chavez Ravine, it's its like no other. Is it as enjoyable to be a part of that as a player as it is to sit there and watch? No doubt. LA, uh, playing at Dodger Stadium is my favorite favorite road stadium to go to. Um, it's just the the environment, um, the atmosphere, to your point, kind of the backdrop, everything. The lights are a little brighter. The, I mean, there's 50,000 people there every single night. doesn't matter if it's a Tuesday or a Saturday night. Um, Jason Bateman was behind our dugout the other night. I've seen Jerry Seinfeld there, Britney Spears. I've seen there. Uh, you may um, Seth Rogen. I've seen there. I mean, you was, see, was was Britney looking smoke? She was in down the third baseline, but everybody was saying that she was down there. I got the third base, and I didn't see her. So all I could see was her head. And she wasn't looking bad. I will say that. And nothing wrong with that too. Jason Bateman, by the way, too. You should have had you should have had them change your music up to like Silver Spoons because he was a co-star <laughs> on that back then. I have no idea what that show is, but yeah. I'll take your word for it. Everybody would have laughed. I guarantee a laugh. <laughs> I do guarantee you that, but you're right. I mean, it it does seem like that way. And see, you're going to go from like fifty thousand plus every night. There'll be about fifty people in the stands tonight, probably. Yeah, that's uh, that's. We were joking about that a little bit, uh, a little bit on the bus from the airport to the hotel last night about how 
the environment might be just a little bit different here the next couple days. Do the visiting dugouts in Oakland still, when you flush the toilet, drain out onto the field, third base side? Probably. Probably. <laughs> there was um, the there was a dead possum in the um, one of the suites here the last couple days. So they, they've been trying to get that thing taken out of the stadium, from what I understand. They a dead possum. walking around, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> the best hey, I, my first radio station was in Scipio, Indiana. It was Win 106 WINN, and it had a dead raccoon in the ceiling for a couple of days. I'm sure that smelled great. It was great. So I, I only, <laughs> they only allowed me to run Dr. Demento back in the day, though. They didn't allow me to talk on the air. <laughs> just hit play. Just say yeah. Just don't open your mouth. All right. Just don't open your mouth. So uh, Tucker Barnard joins us. So a dead possum in one of the suites, huh? Yeah, that's what I hear. I think it ended up being like the either the away uh, radio broadcast booth or like the 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 away GM suite or something. So it was in a pretty important area, from what I understand. So. Word has it that they've gotten rid of it, so but you'll never know what you see here. That's for sure. Yeah, obviously, um, Moneyball's built around you know Billy Bean in the early two thousands. Oakland Athletics. You, you a fan of that film? I am. It's a good one. Uh, I think they they did a, a really good job uh, with that for sure. Yeah, I I am too. It just I, you always wonder how how of it is how much of it is make believe compared to what what actually occurred. I guess so. Yeah, I, I know. I, I've, I've talked to some guys that have played in, in the A's organization, and they say that it's not too far off as how uh, as to how they kind of approach their roster construction. You know, so yeah. Uh, from what I understand, they did it pretty pretty close to, uh, to to spot off. It just seems like, and I know a lot had been made to glorify that out of that film, but it 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 seems like with that philosophy still you're you're always in baseball spinning your wheels i mean more more than you're enjoying anything i i mean i at some point you got to recognize that to spin you got to spend for success here and i just that's 100% i just that's 100% right i never knew what the a's tucker and this is when you were back in elementary but i never knew what the a's what they ever really accomplished out of that what they really got out of it, you know, except for that notoriety yeah. with a film. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great point. Uh, I mean, it makes it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, they had that the, a record long winning streak. I do know that yeah. from what I understand. Um, but other than that, I mean, they just did it with with a guy named uh, with two guys named Matt Olson, Matt Chat, or three guys, Matt Chapman, uh, with Sean Murphy, who is a friend, um, just trading those guys away and getting young talent that they don't have to pay that much, you know? So it's just, uh, it's, it's a problem I think in, in our league, but, uh, that's a conversation for a different day. It is. And you let somebody else <laughs> reap the benefits, you know, they, they built, they get built all those, those guys you're talking about. I mean, there's a, there's a list of them that started in Oakland, but once they get to that point to where, you know, they're super producers and they get paid, they're shipped someplace else and you get to see other teams, other organizations, other fan bases reap the benefits. So I just, it seems like you're on that hamster wheel constantly there. Two steps. Yeah. One step forward, two steps back. It just, it, it, to be honest with you, at the end of the day, for me, it, you, it, you feel bad for the fan bases uh, of organizations that, that don't necessarily put all of their, um, 
interest in winning, I guess, yeah. would be the right way I would put it. Um, and it just, no, I have no idea who you might be talking about often on the two. So, yeah. I'll just – the league in general. Yeah, the league in general, <laughs> yeah. No, that's my opinion, not yours. Tucker Barnhart, something more automotive group highlight. We'll, yeah, we'll stay we'll stay away from that. I had Lance McAllister on last week and uh he had had enough with the Reds bullpen, so he was he was going a little bit off on it. So <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty no good. Problem, yeah, no doubt. Hey, um so how what do you guys fourteen games in for you as a member of the Cubs, um, begrudgingly, uh Certainly, for you, I'm hoping for the best. Um, it's still kind of tough for me to go. Hey, hey great uh, for everybody else, but it is certainly easy for you. How do you like the atmosphere there so far? It's great, man. I mean, there's something about winning when you feel like you're 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 everybody's pushing in the same direction to win. Yeah, um, it's an awesome it's an awesome feeling. It makes you makes you extremely unselfish. Uh, you you do little more, maybe more put more emphasis on doing more little things to, to win a game versus because you know that at the end of the day, at the end of the season, that we feel like we're going to be right there in the thick of it and that any any one win, not to be too cliche, could potentially matter at the end of the day. And it's it takes away from any sort of struggles that, that maybe you're on or you're having uh, just to kind of focus on winning. It makes makes it all kind of come out in the wash in a positive way for, for you personally and uh, – the atmosphere that we've created or that's been that's been around and that that I was added to um, is awesome. Our clubhouse is great. We got a lot of veterans. We had a we had a team dinner last night. We got into San Fran and and we had twenty twenty three of twenty six guys at this dinner, which is uncommon um, to to have that many many guys partaking just for for whatever reason or another. But uh, it's it, it's a it's a fun team. Um, and, and I think we're pretty damn good, too. Hey, Tucker, I know this is different because it's professional. And uh, obviously you have those uh, from other nations that speak different languages and such. But I, I got this. A friend of mine, Dusty Mays, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, and when they were in the Final Four, he was talking about his team and what makes it ultimately this special. And he said, well, with this group, there are no clicks. And I happen to think that's incredibly important. So I want to ask you this in baseball. With how I described it at the outset of this question, is being clickless, is it uh, more times than not pretty impossible to have? And when you can get that group that you're talking about pushing in the right direction, it seems like that that can be a special type of season and group no doubt i think you nailed it i really do i think dusty when i i think i even heard that interview to be honest with you um and and i think that's spot on it's it's rare to find a group where you just all genuinely get along um and and it's not for not for anybody trying to be an ass or anything like that but it's just kind of happens whether there's a language barrier of, of some kind or or, or an age gap or, or whatever the case is that happens. And it's, and it's just a kind of a part of it. And it's, and it, to your point, it's, it's rare to find, to find a, a team where you, where you have no clicks and it's just everybody just getting along and, and wanting to go get the best out of each other and, uh, and win and win, you know? So I think we have that here. In fact, I know we have that here and it's, uh, it's rare and I'm, I'm, very lucky to be a part of it for sure. It's uh, Tucker Barnhart of the Cubs on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Cubs and A's coming up later on tonight. So, uh, in that final game yesterday, uh, your teammate 
Cody Bellinger hits a dinger and was pretty excited about it, I think. Was that the most excited he's ever been about a dinger? Because he's had more important ones, right, in terms of when he played for the Dodgers, but it looked like he enjoyed maybe the one yesterday more than any other. Yeah, I mean, from the time that I've been around him, I would say absolutely that I've seen personally. Um, I think he enjoyed Robin Jason Hayward of a homer um, on Friday, or it was either Friday or Saturday night. I think it might have been Saturday night. Um, probably better than the homer, at least it, it seemed like it. It was like the scene from Gladiator where Maximus is yelling in the middle of the, the Coliseum, are you not entertained? Like he had his hands out. Everybody was cheering him. He had just had his, like, tribute video like an hour earlier and then the entire Dodger Stadium is booing him as loud as they possibly can after that it was it was cool it was a really really cool atmosphere to be a part of or environment to be a part of uh, with him coming back there for sure well I, I referenced the bat flip but it seems like he really wanted to grab his crotch <laughs> <laughs> I, you know the when you said the bat flip I, I didn't realize because I, I was kind of buried in the dugout um, it's Dodger Stadium dugouts aren't like the best viewing seats when it comes to dugouts in the league. Uh, so I was kind of buried, and I, I saw him hit it. I saw the ball go out, but I didn't see him like get out of the box. And I saw a photo of it. And it looked like the bat was going to go into about the twentieth row. It's so high, but it was uh, it was cool, and it was uh, I'm happy for him for sure. It is Tucker Barnhart with us. You've had former catchers as managers before. Um, is there a difference, um, especially you being a catcher yourself? And what do you think about the the combination that you've had with manager David Ross uh, so far in these first fourteen games? I love David. I've respected the hell out of David for for a long time. I, I played against him as a player. I've played against him as a manager, and now I'm playing for him. Um, it's just it's a it's unique, I think. Um, it, but it's it's awesome. I, I think there's for nobody. It's nobody's fault, but I think as a catcher, there's little nuances and there's little things that you see during a game that you that you don't really get if you've never caught before um, in terms of pitch calling and, and, and things like that. I mean, that, for me in my position, that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing that's criticized when it, it at times is, is pitch calling uh, from a catcher's perspective. And, and David doesn't do that. He, he, he'll ask you questions. He'll ask you, Hey, what were you thinking here? Um, and then if you, as long as you have an answer, like, I mean, it's, it's Oh, cool. Sounds good. And, we, and it moves on instead of, what were you, like why why did we throw this pitch or or what were you thinking why 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 in the world would you ever do that in this situation well I mean there's just things as a catcher that you see um, and that you when you've been in it and you've been through certain situations that that kind of makes sense and 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 that to me is like the biggest the, the open communication with him um, has been great that's what's going to make you a great manager one day. Uh, don't tell Sierra that. I don't know if she wants me to manage, but I, I would love. I would lo- love oh, to coach it. Somewhere. I've been well ahead of this one. I know this is coming, <laughs> and she may get mad at me, but I, I've I've known for a while this is coming. Yeah, I mean, I I'd love to do it at, at some level. I don't know. I don't know when, but. Uh... I, I feel like I'd be a pretty good one. No, and I agree with you about the catchers. I mean, the catchers are. You know, obviously the the pitcher is the centerpiece, but it it's the the catcher's the engine here. It's the engine, and it it is in charge of of everything. It sees everything. It is the all knowing position out there on the field. You want to be my agent? 
<laughs> you just sold me pretty damn good right there. Well, you know, remember, I was a catcher back at Eastern Green High School in 1988, so I know everything about the position. No, but seriously, though. I mean, even on, 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 on any level, if you've ever caught, you know that it is, it is the all-knowing position because, you know, everything is in front of you. Everything defensively is in front of you, and you know so much about who you prepare to face that's going to step in that box or who is going to pitch against you. You, you just, I think, automatically know more because that's a part of playing the position than anybody else. I, I would agree. I think you have to be prepared at a, at a different level or, unless you, or you feel naked out there, to be honest with you. Uh, there's no, no worse feeling than going into a game. I mean, I've done it. <laughs> Where it's where you you don't you feel unprepared and it just it's you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants and it's not a uh, not a fun feeling so I, I think I think you nailed it the the prep the prep that we have to do Jan and myself um, and then other guys that I played with in the past um, it definitely feels like it's a little bit more than maybe other spots. Do you and Jan Gomes get along? Oh yeah, yeah. Jan's awesome. Um, I think what we have is what we have in, t- in terms of the tandem that we that we're using i think is awesome um we have one common goal and that's to get get our guys through the game and and with as as few runs as possible and uh it's it's been awesome Jan's a, Jan's a, I've, I've enjoyed watching him play from for a long time from afar and um was was pumped to get to work with him and 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 it's it, i i thoroughly enjoy it how close were you to getting that that out at the plate on saturday night um it was it was bang bang. Uh, it, he was clearly safe, but uh, it was bang bang. It was a lot closer, I think, than I thought it was going to be. To be honest with you, when I turned to dive to tag him, I kind of felt like he would have been all the way, almost all the way past me. But I got a nice shoulder to the face <laughs> trying to make the tag. But uh, but it was it was closer, like I said, than I thought. It was gonna be. Do you wish that they were allowed again just to plow through you like they used to no. be? <laughs> no, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> That's pretty funny because you know everybody would be coming at you. Not you specifically, yeah. but your your position just in in general. I um I think I saw this someplace. Were you were you guys trying to pitch around Peralta in that situation? Um, I would say that that we were trying to be trying to be maybe fine and and kind careful. of trying to be careful. Just, yeah, trying to be yeah. careful, not necessarily pitch around, but just give him something that that we thought uh, was our best case to. To, to get him out or get weak contact, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, but, uh, we. I, I would. I talked to Michael Palmer, who I caught in in Detroit last year about it, and we both agreed that we throw the same pitch a hundred times over, I and mean, it's his best pitch. So we just didn't get it where we were trying to go. So Tucker Barnhart, he's with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. The Dodgers, to me, are a little bit weird. It's unrecognizable without that red beard of Justin Turner out there. I just, I can't get with it. It's weird. I, it is weird. I we it's funny that you say that because we were talking about that in the clubhouse. How it just feels a little different there. I mean, from from years past, they they obviously have Mookie and Freddie Freeman, um, but but not having JT is going to be a transition for him, I'm sure. Um, and I think that's what you're seeing now. They're still a good team. There's no doubt about that. Um, but it's just it's a little different. That's for sure. They're kind of relying on a little bit of younger guys. Uh, maybe more than they have in the past, but they have had some injuries that yeah. Gavin Lux going down really hurts them because um, he's a he's a really good player. But it's an adjustment process that everybody goes through uh, when you kind of when you get rid of guys and get an influx of of new. And uh, I'm sure they'll be where they want to be at the end of the year and 
competing for a division. Did you see Kyle Farmer get hit in the face with that pitch last I week? Did. I talked to him. I talked to him. I mean, I texted with him right after it happened, actually. Um, I And I still can't believe he didn't have anything that was broken. Uh, so he had 37 stitches and Ugh, wire in his teeth. He sent me a pretty uh, pretty gnarly picture I, um, <laughs> from the hospital bed. I, I Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. Uh, you guys have to be built differently. Uh, it, it would be tough to immediately climb back in there. And I know you guys got to be built different. That's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. And that's exactly what he's going to do. But I would think for a, the average human, that would be tough to do initially to get back in there. I mean, there's some hesitancy. There would be no doubt about that. That's for sure. I uh, how would you fight very, that? Very... How would you fight? How, like, like, obviously, you've never had to deal with that, um, at least from what I have ever seen, and that's good. And hopefully, you won't. But how, how would you approach trying to deal with something like that, especially to the degree in which you talked about what thirty plus stitches and and the type of damage that that baseball did to Kyle Farmer when it when it hit his face? How would you try to condition yourself to jump back in there? I'm going to be honest with you, man. I wish I had an answer, but I have no idea. <laughs> I I think it's just something that, that each guy is different. Um, Kyle's a tough dude. I with, haven't played with him for a long time. Um, so I, I would anticipate that he'll hop back in when he's ready and, and be good to go. But I don't know. I don't know how I would approach it uh, given that situation. I just, I'm very hopeful that I never have to have to do it. Who are the Colts going to draft at oh, number four? God. <laughs> Uh, are they going to draft at number four? I think is the qu- biggest question for me. That's I'm sticking to it right here. I'm sticking to it. It's Levis at number four. I've been on that since the football season, though. So I've been. Uh, I've really found no reason to to get off of it. I guess hell, I don't know. So it seems. I mean, from everything I've heard and read, it seems like they that you might be right. So well, I hope so. I hope oh, yeah. they take a quarterback of the future, and I hope. Hope he uh, has a hell of a lot of success. You in the lineup tonight? I'm not. I'm off tonight, so I'm chilling. I'm going to be freezing. It's it's only 50 degrees out here. The sun just came out, though, so it's a little bit better. Man, you should see how it is around here. I heard how those great days. Today goes back to <laughs> early December. I got to go sit for like a marathon track meet after this. There you go. Oh, Don't my goodness. Goes, those <laughs> things go forever. You did, You weren't in track at all, were you? Have you ever seen me run? Hell no. <laughs> my my son runs the thirty two hundred. I said, "What are you insane? What are you doing?" <laughs> I can't tell you. The last time I ran a mile, thirty two hundred sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a long time since you've you've ran a mile, like at the same time. Oh yeah, <laughs> high school probably. To be honest, with you. <laughs> not in, not including like the elliptical or something. Do you but, do you uh? uh do you run before games? Enough to just kind of get my legs loose and get moving, but that's about it. Mm. Anybody run hard before those games? Oh yeah, our like our fast guys get like our base dealer guys. They 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 run a lot. Um, Nico Horner, who I think he's leading the National League in, in stolen bases. He yeah. he can move and he runs a lot. He runs like resisted with a with a band with one of our strength coaches and stuff. It's just something that i don't delve into i think There's no need wisdom is leading your team with home runs right with with six do we are we not seeing as many home run balls as we're used to seeing so far or is that just me making crap up i i don't know i don't know if you're making anything up i just it feels like wisdom homers every day so <laughs> i've seen a lot um <laughs> 
but uh, I don't know where it's at around the league. I know we're st- seeing a, a ton of stolen bases, um, way more than we have with the, with the new pitch clock rule. Is, is that what the pro- is that it? Is that the product of the the rules? Getting back oh, to the yeah, steals, no doubt, no doubt, because you you when as a pitcher you can when the guy's on base you can only pick over twice. So, well, I shouldn't say you can only pick over twice. You have two pickoff attempts until if you pick over again and you don't get the guy out, it's considered a balk. So, in theory, once you have picked over twice, the chances of somebody else picking somebody picking over for a third time is virtually none. So, guys are basically getting running starts. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, if you're a fast guy, a clear base dealer, you just get the dude to throw over there twice as best you can. So you you could probably get out to a mammoth lead, right, just to test him throwing over there? How, how, what's no the strategy on that? I, well, it's getting it's getting the guy to pick over. And then I've, what I, from what I've seen with our faster dudes is just, ba- like I said, basically getting a running start, <laughs> getting a walking, a walking lead that, that gets them continuously moving. And then as soon as the pitcher even begins to lift his leg – they're off man what's that doing for you it's good, good thing you got a cannon back there <laughs> yeah it's uh it makes our job a little more challenging <laughs> that's for sure be calling a fastball don't be calling any off speed pitches after <laughs> yeah, two throwovers out. all right i'm gonna lead the league in pitch outs called <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey man i'm happy for you i enjoy watching you it's uh the cubs i know but uh i enjoy watching you <laughs> We're gonna get you to come around. I'm trying. Well, give it, give it time. I'm coming up there. I'll be up there this Sounds summer. Good. We're gonna hang out a little bit. So Sounds good. We're gonna get loose. Yeah, I love, I love the sound of that. All right, buddy. And uh, I'll uh, I'll help you. I'll uh, tout you for that first managerial position because no, it's I happening. That. It's happening. I appreciate that. All right, man. You guys are the best. Thanks for having me. Tell Sierra I said hello. We'll do. All right, Tucker Barnard right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. That's a good conversation. I enjoyed that a great deal. A lot of stuff right there. I'm way over, though. Quick one. Back with you next. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. They call me Cuba Pete. I'm the king of a rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick chick boom chick chick boom 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, Tucker Barnard was really good. That podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Matt Painter, Boilermaker head coach tomorrow. Matt Miller, ESPN Draft Guru, later on this week. David Perner, Soul Asylum Wednesday. George Foreman, former heavyweight champion of the world, uh, coming up on Friday. So there is a lot going on. The NBA, within the last 20 minutes, announced all ties have been broken for positions in the 2023 NBA Draft. The results as follows. Rockets won a tiebreaker with the Spurs. The Pacers won a tiebreaker with the Wiz. What? The Pacers won a tiebreaker. Bulls won one with OKC. Heats won a tiebreaker with Golden State and the Clippers. Second and third place in the tiebreaker drawings go to Golden State and the Clippers, respectively. The Suns won a tiebreaker with the Nets. Memphis Grizzlies win one with the Cavaliers right there. 
So, yeah, indeed. About the uh, Pacers with that tiebreaker over the Wizards. Make everybody feel good about that coming up again, I guess. <laughs> Not really a coin flip, just kind of a weird way they end up doing it. But that um, that is a big deal, though. It is a big deal. So the Pacers get that tie-breaking win. Tony East has this laid out right here. Let me give it to you here because he's done a great job in not only studying this, analyzing this, but translating this for us. Uh, the NBA performed a random drawing to break the standings tie today for the Pacers, a significant event. The Pacers had four different tiebreakers that they were invested in. One was their own standing tie with the Wiz as both teams finished 35 and 47. The winner of the drawing between the two teams would finish higher in the pre-draft lottery order, and they would remain higher in the post-lottery order if neither team jump into the top four picks of the NBA draft lottery night. Uh, the Pacers won that drawing, meaning that they will be seventh in the pre-lottery draft order. That's great for the Pacers, who now have one more ping-pong ball combination than the Wizards to jump up via the lottery. Indiana's own first-round pick can now end up being anywhere between 1 and 4, as well as 7 and 11. So, hold on. If you don't have a headache just yet, the second significant tiebreaker for the Pacers was the tiebreaker between the Cavaliers and the Grizz. Indiana actually owns both of Cleveland's picks in the 2023 draft. If the Cavaliers won the drawing, their first-round pick would be better than the Grizz, and their second-round pick would be worse. The inverse would be true if Memphis won the drawing. Are you ready? Here's the gist. The two teams were tied with a 51-31 and 31 record, and the coin flip was determined which team would pick 25th. In the end, Memphis won the drawing, which is what the Pacers didn't want to see. That means Indiana will own the 26th and the 55th picks in the 2023 NBA draft via Cleveland. You guys hanging with me on this? <laughs> Trying to look ahead. Third tiebreaker the blue and gold were interested in was between the Rockets and the Spurs. The Pacers will receive the Houston Rockets' second-round pick if it ends up 32nd, but if the Houston selects 33rd, then that would go to the Celtics. And the scenario where it goes to Boston, the Pacers would instead receive the Heat's second-round pick. Um, so I guess more on that later. And there's another tiebreaker, but I think I'm kind of tired talking about that. <laughs> Dang. Shout out to Tony East. Well, holy crap. That is a lot of stuff right there. So the most important aspect of it, if you want to go with it from this angle in the draft, Indiana owns the first round pick now because of their win in that tiebreaker versus the Wizards can now end up between one and four as well as seven and eleven. Uh, there's the gist, and that was done today. And again, thanks to Tony East for giving us all a headache and breaking that down.
<laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I feel like, what is it, a meme or GIF of Zach Galifianakis and all those different formula combinations? That's exactly what I feel like right here. Hey, this also went to, this was happening as I was talking to Tucker a little bit earlier. Um, This was on NFL Live. A quarterback isn't expected to be drafted after the first overall pick until at least the fourth pick. That's according to Adam Schefter. Quote, we've heard quarterbacks going one, two, three, and four in the draft. That's not going to happen, I believe, end quote. Adds the Colts could get the second best quarterback in the draft at number four. So the assumption is going to be young at number four, right? So the assumption is that Stroud's going to have availability. This is according to Adam Schefter. Again, I'll read it for you. A quarterback isn't expected to be drafted after the first overall pick until at least the fourth selection. Schefter, quote, we've heard quarterbacks going one, two, three, four in this draft. That's not going to happen, I believe, end quote. So we shall see. If you read that the right way and that comes to fruition, that means the Colts would have possibly unless somebody trades up to get somebody, the opportunity to go after three of the four that we've been talking about more so than anything else. We'll see. That is according to Schefter a little bit earlier. So Pacer draft combinations and more draft speculation. We'll get back to you coming up on the other side again tomorrow. Matt Painter, Boilermaker head coach. Cannot wait for the rest of the week. George Foreman on Friday is going to be outstanding. We'll hit that. He's got a new film coming out too. we got a tavern tour stop on Thursday. That reminder and your chance to go see Peter Buck, Mike Mills of REM and the gang called The Baseball Project. Coming up in August at Deluxe at the Mirao National Center. Your chance to win is coming up in just a smidge. Don't leave. The Ride with JMV. Just an average guy with exceptional hair. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now, the baseball project. This is 1976. The baseball project. Performing at Deluxe over at Old National Center in August. Number nine can go with a pair of tickets on us. I'll give you a bit of background on that. A couple of former REMers, Peter Buck and Mike Mills, upon REM's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony in New York City, they um they were a part they got this idea to do the baseball project and got three others on board and put together this group called the baseball project and honestly, I hadn't heard much about them. I'd heard the name before. I didn't know too much about them until just today we started listening to them. But you've got some major musical talent on board here. And if you've ever been to Deluxe over at Old National Center, it is spectacular. It is nice and cozy up close with everybody right there. 
But again, this goes back a number of years. The baseball project number nine two three nine ten seventy. We'll be giving away these tickets all week long. You can go on us and enjoy that. They got some wild songs in there too. Baseball background going too. Uh, certainly check that out. Number nine at two three nine ten seventy will go on us again. That show's coming from the Deluxe Old National Center in August. The baseball project. You know, I mentioned that the Pacers uh, came out a winner in their tie-breaking scenarios with the Wizards a little bit earlier today. That's good news. This is interesting from Adam Schefter, who has stated within the last hour that a quarterback is not expected to be drafted after the first overall pick. So Carolina takes a quarterback off the board, and then the expectation is, as it stands right now, that no quarterback is going to be selected until the fourth pick. Now, it's interesting because you got the third pick that's sitting out there. Actually, if Houston wanted to trade, Houston could trade as well. That doesn't mean that a quarterback's not going to be selected, but you're talking about these first draft selections right now. There's a lot weighing in on this, and this is just an Adam Schefter-educated opinion. Quote, we've heard quarterbacks going one, two, three, four in this draft. That's not going to happen, I believe. Adds the Colts could get the second best quarterback in the draft at number four. So that certainly would change the dynamic significantly. And if they can get the second best quarterback in the draft at number four, that would still maintain why they are so comfortable at staying at four. So that was Schefter within the last hour. And we'll see how that goes. So the initial assumption was, C.J. Stroud is what Frank Reich and Carolina liked at the top of that draft. But since then, you've probably all been paying attention. It's been more Bryce Young. And there's been a little mixture of Richardson in there as well. But again, Adam Schefter states that the Colts could get the second best quarterback in the draft at number four. Which I'm assuming makes you feel a lot better. And I guess again, if this if this plays out, this speculation plays out, that will certainly help you understand why they did not trade all the way up to number one. But again, the speculation also deals with the prospect of any other team trading up and trying to get a quarterback of their choice. That's seemingly what Schefter is talking about here but he did mention at the very end that it is likely the Colts can get the second quarterback off the board at number four a week from Thursday in the first round of the NFL draft that is some sweet speculation we'll continue to play off of coming up tomorrow my thanks to Jay Query 
getting out of bed this afternoon and joining us at four. And Tucker Barnhart, not in the lineup for the Cubs later on tonight. The Cubs start a series in Oakland against the A's at 940 local time. Coming up later on this evening, Tucker Barnhart's podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Haven't talked to Matt Painter since that loss in round number one. Matt Painter is going to join us on the show coming up tomorrow. Matt Miller, draft guru, later on this week as well. Busy week for us, so I'll let you in on it. James, great job from you. Tomorrow at 3, back at you again. Have a great night.